Hello, and welcome to Profiles. Today, we'll be having a conversation with Abigail Baker about sustainable transportation from Washington, D.C. Abby, how are we doing? Come on, it worked. Very good. Okay, so um, let's hop right into it. Why, okay. why cycling? Just to give us a little bit about your background, and then um, <laughs> let's talk about what your transportation utopia looks like. What does that mean? Okay, so by way of background, um, so I started, I guess, my career in aviation. So transportation, but a very different kind of transportation than cycling, and then um, moved to Washington, D.C. to work um, in government in the Senate, so not transportation related at all, but it was in D.C. when um, I sold my car and bought a bike that I realized that uh, cycling is what I think is the best form of transportation, and um, I'm going to say a lot of statistics in the next however long we talk um, that I'll have to back up later because I'm not going to be able to quote all of them right now. But um, in terms of energy expended versus distance traveled, cycling is actually the most efficient form of transportation. So that is the answer to why cycling. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, so, so why does that matter to you? Yeah. Um, the way I explain it to friends is I feel like it's this cycling and transportation um, like intra-city transportation so within cities is um, kind of this intersection of all these things I care about so there's the environmental aspect um, that I'm certainly will talk a lot more about there's also public safety um, public health um, so and then there's also you know social issues of gentrification so all these things kind of meet at to me, I think they meet at this point, and that's that's transportation within cities. Nice. And then, so what? What are your next steps with that? And then, what is? Um, yeah. What are you trying to create? Yeah. Um, so I think my next step, I guess, small scale, in the next month, I will be moving to London um, to study with the Bartlett School of um, the Built Environment in. Um, at UCL, which is my program is um, a master's in transport and city planning, which uh, if you can't tell is about as niche as it gets uh, <laughs> in the transport world. So um, yeah, so that was next step. I think long term, I mean, there's the advocacy route in which I could, you know, lobby or, you know, advocate with a nonprofit um, for better either cycling or just reliable transportation systems in general. Um, There's consulting route, consulting with city governments um, on how to make their um, transportation networks better. And then, um, and I'm only touching on, you know, a couple options, but then the last one that I would consider is working for a city um, as a, as a planner. Yeah. And, and, and Abby, that's something that I'm really interested in and, and, we've talked about this a bunch that my parents have gotten into yeah. cycling. I've gotten into cycling. It's been really great. And we've yeah. also talked about urban planning in the sense that suburban areas are really just a concept like anything else in the universe. And um, for me thinking about mm-hmm. farming and just the land that we command in suburban areas 
I think that there's a lot of opportunities to rethink the way that we live, but it makes me think also that we can rethink the way that we commute. And especially in the suburban areas, when you look at the way that the pandemic has affected everybody's daily lives, I think a lot more people are looking more locally. Do you think that there's an opportunity for people at the city level in the United States? I guess this question is, where do you think we can find fundamental change in transportation infrastructure in the United States? And to be very specific, how can we get people able to walk and to ride to get the things that they need on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, so problem A is zoning in suburbs. So though I might live a quarter of a mile away from Super Target, there is not a safe way to get there without walking along a main road. Um, so that's problem A is we benefit from mixed use development when you have um, commercial and residential real estate in the same area. Um, but then the other big part is you need transportation that is reliable and also safe. So um, you can build all the bike lanes you want, but at the end of the day, if uh, you know someone, a mom isn't comfortable taking her kids on it, um, then it's it's kind of moot. I mean, you have cycling for sport, which are you know the people in Lycra, and then you have cycling for transport, which is just everyday people trying to get to work or get to the store. Um, and we're not building for people in Lycra, though I am also one of those people. Um, we are building for you know moms with cargo bikes and families. Um, so if you can, again, you can build a bike lane on a main road, and that's a great first step. But ultimately, if it's not if you don't have a barrier, if it's not convenient, and again, if it's not safe, then um, it's it's not useful. So then I guess the question of you know, how do we fundamentally change this? So, I mean, COVID has really been a catalyst for this already. I mean, so culturally, um, so for example, the Netherlands, um, you know, over a quarter of trips are made by bike um, in Copenhagen, it's like almost 50%. Um, and the reason for this isn't just infrastructure, it's cultural and, you know, cultural shift takes about 50 years. Um, that I can tell you the source is um, the Melissa and Eric Bruntlett's book, um, mm. which I will share with you and you can post. In the um, show notes. Yeah. yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but all that to say, um, a cultural shift of 50 years, I think COVID has actually sped that up. I mean, any store you go to, they're running out of bikes. Um, the trails that I take uh, regularly on weekends are packed. And though I personally get frustrated by this as I'm passing people, like mm. as a, on a global scale, I'm very happy about this. So, and, and are there cities around the world or places around the world? Um, maybe, I mean, I'm just thinking in Europe, I heard something via news about Barcelona, um, maybe it was Madrid. Are there cities that have taken out traditional roads to certain parts of the city? How, what are ways that we can rethink the way in urban areas to be specific um, mm -hmm. without, without pulling buildings? Because when we think about um, suburban areas, you'd, you'd have to build buildings next to each other to make it viable. Um, I can't ride my bike four miles to the store because it's a hundred degrees and I'd be on a road right. with 500 cars going 50 miles an hour right past me. But that's something that we can overcome. 
But being specific in cities, are there mm-hmm. examples of cities that have done this before? What can we go off of? Yeah. Um, so like I said, you know, Amsterdam and Copenhagen are kind of, um, well, Amsterdam especially is like kind of the original cycling city. And that, um, if you look at the 70s, you had Stop to Kindermord, which is a uh, Dutch for stop murdering children. And they had of kids getting killed as they were biking. Um, and it was actually like a movement of moms. And then from there, the, uh, I want to say it was the mayor, uh, but basically city government um, took this to heart and started really building um, safe cycling infrastructure. So, I mean, that's the obvious example is, is Amsterdam, but um, things you, places you wouldn't think about is um, Bogota, Colombia right now. Um, they have a really, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, they have a really reliable bus um, transportation system um, because, and they're one of the few Latin American cities that doesn't have uh, like a metro or underground system. Um, and that's just because of money. And right now they're really um, pushing cycling. Mm. Um, Ciclovia, their mayor is a cyclist and she um, has kind of peed back off the ideas of the last mayor and, um, gone even further because of COVID. And so they're right now changing a lot of um, roads into bike lanes. Hmm. So, so um, I know that you are the proud owner of two bicycles. They serve different <laughs> functions and, yes. um, and that you're also the proud non-owner of your former car. So what do you yes. think about the future of car ownership and that whole system in the United States? Mm-hmm. Well, so I'll start with, um, I started biking because I took a pretty significant pay cut and I just couldn't afford a car anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the best decision I've ever made. So uh, on average, someone who starts biking, um, so you were talking about your parents getting into cycling as well. So people, when they switch to biking to work, tend to lose, I think, an average of like 12 pounds. So oh, yeah. just from a public health standpoint, there's a lot of data on um, just the healthier lifestyle, which leads to healthier uh, choices in other um, ways as well. So you can't just say that it's solely from biking, but, um, it certainly has, uh, it, it definitely helps. Um, what was, sorry, re- ask your question again. I went back too far. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about the future of car ownership? Like, do you oh, think, yeah. do you think that, I mean, I, I think that sometimes that, um, with, with car technology too, that there might be some alternative future where we don't need to own cars and just speaking from personal history here uh you know i have a truck um, i'm not at home a lot of the year and you know we, there are costs that go into paying for a car while you are not necessarily using it and if it were some other asset i think that you know just the fundamental way that we view cars as an asset just goes to show that the first principle of economics is flawed and that we are not rational beings. But I, I just think, you know, I fantasize too about selling my truck, but it's so useful to me mm-hmm. while I'm here, mm-hmm. but it's so not useful to anybody while I'm gone. And, right. you know, what are some ways do you think that the future has cars? Yeah. Um, well, even before I was really interested in cycling, I think I imagined that eventually we'd have um, car shares like Uber and people wouldn't actually own their own cars. Um, and that's not something I'm an expert in, but, um, that's one thing I could see happening, but also 
when you look at LA, I mean, every 10 years they add a lane to the 405 and it does nothing to alleviate the traffic. Um, it just adds more traffic, which is just a perfect example of, of demand is caused by the amount of capacity and not um, the other way around. So you don't add capacity to reduce demand. You, anytime you add capacity, you're increasing demand. And so, you know, all these ideas of for cars, like, you know, Elon Musk wants to build tunnels underground. Well, that's great, but it's, it's kind of the same as adding a lane. You're just giving more capacity for cars and that's just going to increase demand. Um, and so the goal, the goal though, I mean, there's, you know, I listened to a podcast, podcast called War on Cars. Mm. Um, and uh, to me though, the goal isn't to eradicate the car. Um, obviously it is useful, especially for people in rural America who don't have other options. Um, but th the ultimate goal is just to reduce um, the need for a car because there are better, again, I will use the same two words I keep saying, which are reliable and safe transportation systems. Um, and, and ultimately when fewer people are using cars, then you have, you know, the added environmental um, impact from that. Um, again, I talked about public health. So um, not just physical health, but mental health as well from adding, you know, even if it's 15 minutes each way, that's 30 minutes of exercise a day that, um, you know, is the recommended minimum. So I don't know if that really answered your question about well, where also, I see it, cars it, it, going, but yeah. um, again, I don't think we should get rid of cars. I think we give people other options. Yeah. And it definitely depends on, on where you're living. So mm -hmm. I guess my last question here, um, and this kind of functions back into what's really driving you along this path do you um abby have a a transportation utopia in your mind is that a local idea is it a state idea is it a federal idea is it a global idea um what's driving you and what's your end goal yeah so what drove me to this um if you can't tell i'm pretty passionate about um bikes in general um and i have <laughs> become known amongst my friends as the person who has now convinced everyone else to start cycling, which is, um, I take a lot of personal pride in. Um, but again, so I got into this not because I wanted to be a cyclist, but because it was the easiest way for me to get from point A to point B. Um, and then from there, um, I mean, I realized how useful it is and, um, and kind of, I guess, fell in love with it is the cheesy way to put it. Um, yeah. Um, so that is how I got into it. And then goal wise, um, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I think ultimately I'd like to help other cities um, become more sustainable and in, in, in their transportation systems and um, help, you know, the residents of a community. So, I mean, um, get from point A to point B in the, in the fastest, safest way possible. Um, and, and that really alleviates the need for cars when you have good, um, trans transportation infrastructure, whether that's biking or, um, cycling or, I mean, or, um, public transit. And, and very quickly here at the yeah. end, do you think that it's possible in a city like DC? What would mm -hmm. have to change? Yeah. So um, if I wasn't clear earlier, until I moved to London, I'm living in D.C. And that's where I've been for the last couple of years. Um, so D.C. is what I know. It's been my home. So I live on 15th Street 
um, Northwest, mm. which is known for its um, bike um, called cycle track. So it's like a two-way bike lane down the street uh, and it's a protected bike lane, uh, which makes it a lot safer. And so I can show you a picture. Actually, I took one morning, but of um, the rush hour traffic on my way to work one day and it was just a bunch of bikes um, down the bike lane, which um, is I think ideal. But so in order to make DC better, I would say, um, so not just more protected bike lanes, but um, working with each ward. So different wards have different needs um, and different um, you know, socioeconomic statuses and or, yeah. And constraints, um, yeah, all kinds of Yeah, things. so, you know, the last thing you wanna do as an urban planner is go into a community and tell them what they need. Um, mm-hmm. You want them to tell you what you need and then, you work as a team to, to improve. Um, and then and I think another thing in DC is that um, I think multimodal transportation is so valuable. So though, so maybe for someone living there, bike isn't the best way to get to work, but um, it's easiest if you, you know, can metro from point A to point B and then bike the rest of the way. So yeah. if there was a way that you could, you know, combine you know, city bikes and metro rail into one, um, kind of streamlined app or one streamlined system as opposed to paying this much for the metro and the bus and then this much for a city bike um so i think i think there are people working on this in arlington but not necessarily in dc and i could be wrong but um as far as i'm aware this is not currently underway but i think that would be a really great way to um improve uh, efficiencies and then i think lastly in dc i think um having high-speed rail between D.C. and Baltimore is something that they've been talking about um, for a really long time. Um, and I'm convinced that in the next 15 years we'll have it and then you can <laughs> get between the cities in 15 minutes. And, you know, because D.C., anyone who lives there will tell you it's you know, becoming unlivable in terms of price. So um, I have a lot of, I know a lot of people moving to Baltimore and commuting on the um, Mark train, you know, an hour plus uh, each way. And, you know, if you could cut that down to 15 minutes, I think it, Oh my gosh! Quality of life. I mean, oh, yes. Yeah. So, um, lots of different things in in my city that hopefully um, I'll get to be a part of in the future. Well, Abby, we at Profiles are intrigued by your plan, and um, interest rates are low. So, if you're <laughs> out there thinking about development, come to DC and double your baseball experience. Thank you so much for coming on, Abby. Yeah. Um, and get us next. Thanks time. for having me. Yeah, absolutely.